Welcome to Beyond the Bio, a podcast that dives into our exceptional leaders at Bain and spotlights the incredible work they're doing at the firm. You can look up their bios online, but that only scratches the surface of who they are. We share the stories and show why they are the leaders they are today and why they are truly extraordinary. Joining me today is Sharona Sankar King, an expert partner and global head of engagement and marketing for our financial services practice based in our New York office. Today, Sharona will be talking with us about her extensive analytics and data science career, why she chose Bain as a place to take her expertise next in her career journey, and her work at the intersection of financial services and all the analytics and marketing experiences she's had. Sharona, great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Sharona, we always start with people's background so that people have a sense of who they're listening to and how they got to where they are. I want to start your background with what you were like as a kid and what you were interested in, and then maybe we can go from there to how that shaped the first big step most people take in their careers, which is choosing a college and choosing a major and figuring out sort of what journey do they want to start as a young adult. How would you describe yourself and your interests growing up as far as academics goes? As far as academics goes, I was always very interested in math. Both of my parents, my father is a math major. (laughs) Apple didn't fall far from the tree on that one. And he went into computer science and engineering. My mother was a database engineer. And so very math-based, science-based fields. I always had a love for science growing up. And math is just the language of science. So for me, that really was it. As I got older, I started thinking about how could I apply math in different ways, in different types of careers. So I explored the path of potentially becoming an engineer like my parents, but I also had this passion for understanding human behavior. And that really led me to deciding to go to school for quantitative psychology. That's how I ended up there. So where did you grow up and where did you choose to go to college? And how did those two things play into each other? Did you always have a dream school in mind? A lot of people feel like they're on this life mission where the script is totally planned out for the next 20 years. How did you choose a college? So even though I was born in New York, my formative years, my school years were in Pennsylvania. So I I had the opportunity to really, I, I was good in my academics and I had a lot of choices for schools, but my choice for the school of going to Penn State, which is a state school, really was a financial decision. I didn't want to burden my parents with a lot of debt. I didn't want to come out of school with a lot of debt. And Penn State, out of all the schools that accepted me, was offering a a full scholarship, which allowed me to graduate without the burden. And so that really played into my decision. And I always knew I was going to go to graduate school, and I planned to go to an Ivy League when I went to grad school. So I figured I I would balance that out with graduate school. Right. And for those listening today, to me, the takeaway hearing Sharona say that is that you can play the long game and have the longer career path in mind. Everybody I talk with nowadays on campus feels like they need to have it right now. If I don't get it now, it'll never happen again. And Sharona, at an early point in her career, took a different path there. Sharona, when you graduated from Penn State, what did you want to do and what did you end up doing? Were they the same thing? I thought I was going to be doing these big psychological studies and social <laughs> studies around, you know, the state of the world and where we were going. I had big ambitions. But as I was going through my college career, I ended up landing this amazing job at Time Warner where it was just a very data-rich environment. They were looking for marketing analytics and customer analytics folks. And I just found marketing really fascinating. I mean, think about it. It's, it's the perfect marriage between human behavior, 
and statistics, right? And those were the, my two great interests. And in marketing, you're doing everything from trying to describe people's behavior to helping to predict it and shape it in a way. And that blew me away that you could actually predict what people are going to do and be able to capitalize on that in ways that are great for them as far as the experience you can deliver to them, but also great for these companies who are trying to market to them. So it kind of blew me away that you could do that. Right. And without putting ages on the table, we were starting our careers around the same time. And I would say that's when computing and technology and sort of ubiquitous data capture was really starting to take off. And so the, oh, yeah. the data you had at your fingertips to do the kind of analytics you're talking about was like exploding on the scene in the mid 90s, late 90s, right? Oh, yeah. And this is where we were building many, many companies were coming out, building huge customer databases. The cable companies and the media companies really were the treasure troves of data at the time. Right. And this was a great place for me to build my coding skills, my data science skills, and really apply it directly in ways that were going to be very valuable to the company. So it was a no-brainer when this position came my way. Now, the market is going really well at that time. The economy was booming. Technology was booming. You're right at the epicenter of it all. And you decide to go back to school. What was it that made you think that was the right next step for you or the right credential to add to the CV? Yeah, after a couple of years of working in industry, it clarified what I wanted to do. Because I, I knew I was going to go back to grad school, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to go and get my MBA or if I wanted to deepen my skills in my math degree. It was clear to me that getting my master's in statistics was going to be extremely helpful, given that I wanted to go deeper into the data science roles and the analytics and data roles. That just seemed to be a great place for both where I had a passion and also where I had skill set. Frankly, a, a great group of mentors and folks around me who were supportive. And so it was an easy decision at that point to go that route. Right. And were you going back full-time or part-time? Were you continuing to work while you got this degree? When I first started at Columbia University, I was working full-time and I was going to school part-time, but it was very intense. I was getting my butt kicked. I needed to flip that to going to school full-time and working part-time. And I was very lucky that the group that I was working in allowed me to, to do that. Right. And it was great because while I was working part-time, I was able to apply my newly learned skills mm -hmm. right on the job, right away. I was, it was given all kinds of really great responsibilities in, in doing more and more at work, given that I was learning so much at school. And it also helped me in school because I was doing my master's thesis and I actually was able to do a real world with real data with mm -hmm. example for my master's thesis, which ended up uh, being much easier for me than some of my other, the other students right. around me. Right. It's really great to hear that because again, I, the LinkedIn bio says, oh, she was working here. She did this. She picked up a degree along the way and just kept it moving. And the truth is oftentimes a lot messier than that. We all have those experiences. I know I have those on my academic transcript. We're like, wow, that was, um, I was overextended. I didn't realize that at yes, the time. Definitely. Sure, and I want to pick up after you finish your graduate degree. You start a pretty broad set of career experiences, collecting them along the way. And one of the things we've talked about on the podcast before is that 
Yeah, the career paths aren't always linear. And a lot of times it's taking advantage of good opportunities to just add credentials and skills. And sometimes it might feel like you're moving laterally a bunch and other times you're not. And you kind of look up at the end of that and go, wow, I can actually take on much bigger roles. So I want to spend the next couple of minutes talking through your career journey because you've had a lot of really great jobs. And I know somewhere along this journey, you and I first met through a mutual friend. And I remember when I first met you, I said, wow, I don't think I've ever met anybody that really, really enjoys their job and geeking out about it more than Sharona. So why don't we start with the career journey after your master's degree? What is it that you wanted to set out to do as you you set out to conquer the world, so to speak? Yeah, I was very fortunate that I was able to land a, a lot of really great roles. Part of that was intentional. I knew that in the industry I come from, you know, in media and advertising, in that world, it's expected that you're going to move from time to time in order to gather different experiences, especially in my next role as I went into a full service agency. And the reason I went to a a full service agency, and just to explain to everybody, that means that they do media, they do customer experience, they do marketing, they do creative advertising, they kind of do all the soup to nuts, including all the analytics and data type of work for clients. And I found that working in My previous job, you know, it was narrowly focused on that specific type of media. I wanted to get a broader set of experience across industries. So in the full service agency, I was able to work across financial services and, you know, CPG and retail and healthcare, working with pharma companies. I got to work across a a whole set of different type of, for an analyst, this is great, different type of data environments, different type of problems they're all trying to solve and very different types of customers and engagements with the customers in all of those different industries. And you can imagine as a person who's coming up and trying to build experience, it was the perfect move to go to Foot Colon and Belding that allowed me to do all of those things in one place. Right. Now, true to what you said at the very start of this, you did that for a couple of years, and then it was time to move. What experience yeah. came next? Yeah, well, there was this uh, great thing called the internet that was exploding all over, you know, everywhere was becoming a very big thing. When I had first started at Foot Colon Belding, there were debates as to whether people would buy things on the internet and actually put their credit card information in. I remember that. Yeah, it was hotly contested by some. And and for data folks and uh, data geeks like me, I saw it as a huge opportunity where we could do so much more. And so there was an agency called uh, Digitas, which was the number one digital agency at the time. They were a powerhouse when it came to the digital world. I moved into a role there as an associate director there. And yeah, it was really a a great ride. The lesson, again, is just taking advantage of the opportunity. I don't think people understand where we're sitting today, how risky it seemed like buying something on the internet was to people back then. Oh, yeah. We didn't have a lot of the verification and fraud protection and all those things came, this whole ecosystem was built in this era. So it was great. I'm glad I was part of that. I got to be part of that, right? Part of building new things that we still use today. Yeah. And so you get that experience at clearly a leader in that space. And then I would say, you know, looking at your bio, you take on one of your first sort of senior leadership roles and you take a move there. Again, we're on that two to three years and, and move on timeline, but talk about the next role because that was one where you start to see a change in the types of roles that you're taking in your career, right? Yes. So after Digitas, I was very, very lucky 
that a position came my way in which I was able to build something from scratch. So at Experian, they were just moving into this new world of digital. They did not have a digital analytics and data practice within their marketing side of the their house. Which sounds amazingly yeah. untrue today. You're like, what? What were they doing then? I mean, there was this thing called mail that people actually get in their <laughs> mailbox. And that was a big focus of their database and their, their marketing business. Right. And things were shifting into digital and they needed to build a practice around that. They were also acquiring digital properties like LowerMyBills.com and PriceGrabber. They had all these amazing properties that they were acquiring in order to be in this space. And so it was my opportunity to really own a P&L, a profit and loss statement, which means senior leadership, executive level uh, accountability. I got to learn how to work with senior leaders, the C-suite board level people. It was a great opportunity for me to step into a role where I was charting the destiny right. of the group, hiring right, sure. people, building the database we were going to use from scratch, building solutions that didn't exist in the marketplace. So it was a really great, great opportunity to just be innovative as well. Let me ask you. One of the things you said there was you had PL responsibility, which means you were truly an operator. You know, Digitas and some of the other services firms you provided, in some ways you're an advisor, maybe playing a little yes. loose with the models. What was the biggest surprise for you when you were actually like really in charge of the profit or loss at the end of the day? Honestly, the managing the PL and working with finance, the eye-opener was more around how things actually work behind the scenes with senior leadership and how decisions are actually made. You always think that things kind of run smoothly and there's this, you know, very well-oiled process. What I learned is that relationships matter yep. quite a bit. So you can have the best story and the best numbers and everything like that. But if you haven't spent the time in building relationships with your senior leaders and building advocacy with certain folks who are going yep. to be influencers, you're just going to fail. That was the biggest learning I had yeah. in that, being able to build those relationships. Yeah. And part of what I'm seeing in my role inside Bain now is that is 100% true. And also that the real world is just messy. Yes. And that relationship part of it comes into play because there are a lot of risks that you're just not even aware of, but people that have been in the space for a long time go, well, let me tell you the 27 things that might go wrong. Yeah. And I'm either going to trust you and take that risk, or I'm going to say, you know what? I just can't. Now, around the time you were in that role, the household was also expanding. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know you also took some time out of the workforce for a little while in there. Yeah. Malik, my husband, and I had our son, Micah. He was born in, in 2007. And I decided to take a step back from working. I wanted to really, really focus on our first child. Arguably working, just not getting a W-2. I want to be really clear. <laughs> yes, yes. So shortly after my, my son was born and after I had taken off of work, I started a company called Decision Point Metrics. And that really did two things. One, it kept me in the game, kept me fresh. You know, so when I was ready to enter back into the workforce, that I had a lot of current, current things that I had done and current knowledge of what's happening in space. Because as you know, in the data and analytics space, it moves very quickly. Things become outdated very quickly. The other thing was 
you know, I had an itch to work. I really love, as you said, I love what I do. And I wanted to keep in it at some level. And so I took on two clients of my own, which was very manageable while really focusing on on my son's first words and walking for the first time and all those other wonderful things that happen in those first couple of years. Now, Sharona, after a couple of years of that, you did go back to the corporate side of things. There are a bunch of people that we've talked to on the podcast who had that senior level operator P&L experience said, you know what, I really like being in the weeds. I liked being an advisor. You stayed more on the senior executive operating side when you came back. Let's talk about those couple of roles as well, because there's some really interesting stuff in there. Well, as digital was becoming much more advanced, we were seeing a lot more movement in the customer, building better customer experiences within digital. Right. And so for me, I wanted to really focus a lot on some of those new things that were being built, but also I wanted to expand my role from being purely data and analytics into strategy. My next role at Rap Collins allowed me to really expand my role into doing customer strategy and customer experience transformation and running teams doing that. And similar to what our IND team does here at Bain. Yeah, I mean, the Innovation and Design Squad, also known as IND Inside, is really coming up with new ways of doing things, new ways of designing things, and just really giving a fresh look on things. You know, one of the things that you talked about was buying things online was not very common when you started down this digital journey. Once we've established that people will shop online, then it's like, okay, but why is it so burdensome? Why is it so difficult? Why is it so much worse than going to the store and talking with somebody? And I think that's, it's funny again now looking at it, you know, decades later, but at the time that was really new stuff. Yes, we were still figuring it out. And that's where a lot of the analytics and the strategy came together is that you want to be able to test and learn a lot of these things and test into the right types of experiences. And so marrying that measurement, data collection, understanding the customer. Back then, segmentation wasn't just being used for strategic purposes, but we were pulling all these different segmentation models of customers down into how we were going to build experiences against those segments. And so very data-led, data-infused type of work that was was going back and forth between strategy and execution, because what you learn from execution helps you build the strategy and what you built in strategy helps to give you the scaffolding you need to do the execution. Yeah, it's really fascinating stuff. And and again, you know, I talk with my sons now and we'll be talking about something or they'll search for something and then they'll go online and see an advertisement that's remarkably similar to what we were talking about or what they were looking at. And I'm like, yeah, that's a lot of automated stuff today, but there was a time when that was being discovered and the infrastructure for how to do that was actually being developed in real time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of folks that I got to meet along the way and work alongside who were the innovators and inventors of a lot of the things that we take for granted today. It definitely was a great time. Now, before we get to your work at Bain, I do want to talk briefly about your journey to Bain, because at some point during all of these career transitions, consulting hit your radar screen and you ended up joining Bain and Company. Can you talk a little bit about that process and what it was that you were looking for and why you joined Bain? I just threw out like six or seven different questions and topics at once, but I'll let you go from there. Yes. Well, there were two things that were happening for me. One was I had risen up in my career and was in a position where I had to kind of make a decision. I was being looked at 
just so you understand how advertising and media companies, they're often big holding companies. They own multiple agencies and multiple companies within their umbrella. And I was being looked at for CEO role of one of those companies at the time. I needed to do some introspection and figure out, do I really want to run a company or do I love really being in the operational role, right? And, right. and really making things happen, you know, more from the ground up, if you will. I didn't see myself running a company. And so I turned down the CEO role and I decided to either go into consulting where I could continue to serve clients across various different areas or I was going to go into something deeper, like working on the client side, maybe at a company like J.P. Morgan Chase or something like that. And so I had a decision point. It's interesting because a lot of people would say, well, wait, everybody wants to be CEO someday. How did you make that decision and come to that realization? Because again, I don't know that a lot of people realize like that is a real decision. It's not an automatic. It's really important to know yourself and what you want. And what are the things that really are going to drive you and what are you going to be passionate about? And so for some people, it is that, right? Running everything from the top down, that's what they want to do. Right. And running a business has a, a certain set of requirements, right? From both a skill set, personality, et cetera. So for me, it just wasn't the right decision for me. I knew it was not who I wanted to be in my next chapter. For me, my next chapter, I wanted to continue to have that breadth of experiences, which I loved in client services. And so I, I was really leaning towards consulting. So Sharona, I want to close with one other question before we get to your, your Bain experience, but why did you choose to join Bain? Well, part of it, the answer is Keith, Keith, and more Keith. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, speaking to some of our competitors as well as others. I had Asked my husband, I mean, we were actually chatting about what the maybe the right decision would be for me. And he said, well, why, why don't you talk to Keith? He's at a consultancy and he could right. probably give you some advice in this, you know, as, as to whether this is the right thing for you to do. And in the course of our conversation, you asked me the question, well, why aren't you considering Bain? <laughs> so... I remember that conversation and, and shout out to Malik, who was my spades partner all through undergrad. We go back quite a ways. But, you know, Sharona, one of the things was at the time, in, in all candor, you know, I don't know that we were advertising publicly that we were building the capability and the expertise that you brought to the table. So in fairness, I was the one who made have introduced you to the idea that there were those opportunities here. But you are someone who clearly has a great background and a lot of options ahead of you. So what made Bain stand out in terms of the place for your career and made sense for that being the next step in your career? I'd also like to point out to people that it's been more than two or three years and you're still here. So it's uh, almost I like, five. I feel like we're breaking records here. Yeah, almost five years. <laughs> so, well, there were a couple things. One, the culture was so authentic. I got a sense as I was meeting with folks that there was just a, a, an authenticity, a kindness, a true North type of mindset. I didn't even know that that was part of the, the tagline yeah. for Bain yet, but there was just a sense of a real commitment to building great teams and building a great culture here that I found very attractive. And that was a big, big part of my decision. Another part was that we were building some very new capabilities 
both within my expertise, but also in adjacencies to my expertise, like in our enterprise technology team and other areas, Bain seemed to have a very strong commitment to that. And that also played into my decision as well. And then lastly, the people are just amazing. Awesome. That's always great to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Sharon, as we get into the last segment on the podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about the work you're doing today. How are you using all of your data and analytics background, credentials, experiences to support Bain's clients today? Because I don't think a lot of people get a lot of visibility into how all of that really comes together for our clients to drive impact and create value for them. Yes. So I would say that my background is pretty deep in advanced analytics, but it's also deep in customer as well. And so when I was hired into Bain, I was hired into the customer practice and also working within the advanced analytics practice. What that allowed me to do is kind of have visibility into both of those areas as we were building solutions for the customer practice that required heavy data and analytics capabilities. And so we've launched quite a bit of new IP and new solutions for clients through that, those relationships across the aisle, if you will, across practices. One of our big launches last year was Connected Customer, which is going beyond what traditional personalization, you know, marketing and customer experience has been in the past into more AI, machine learning, adaptive type of real-time experiences that are utilizing customer data in much higher velocity and volume than ever before. And until today, until the, you know, now, (laughs) right now, we did not have a lot of that scale and and ability to do this type of work. And so the industry as a whole, not Bain, I mean, the industry as a whole did not have a lot of these capabilities. And so it's an amazing time to be at the forefront of a lot of this. And our financial services clients are particularly interested in this area. And so I've been doubling down on the financial services side of the business. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because we all, well, those of us in in our generation may or may not have been to a bank branch. My sons used to go like once a year. I don't think they ever go to the bank now. But when you think about financial services and connected customer, can you give some examples of how people listening to this podcast might see the impact of that work and, and how that connected customer lens on things is changing their experience of interacting with their financial institution? Yes. I think as we start to better understand what customer needs are, right? So in the prior world, a lot of marketing and a lot of customer experience was very product-led. Right. The pivot that's happening now is to build these very customer-led types of experiences and communications. So when you are on, when you're logged into your bank app, for instance, what are the things that you see? Am I being proactive about tools or other types of opportunities to grow my relationship with you? If you're in the insurance world, right, how do I start plugging in all of the different parts of the ecosystem and understand that, oh, wow, you're in the market for a new car this year, or you look like you might be a home buyer, but that's a predictive model, right? You may not even know how much you're in market, but the data is pointing to that, right? And so building experiences that are very proactive and starting to think about the needs that people have before they really signal that need explicitly 
is incredibly important because people are expecting you to know them now, right? Right. So when you show up in that app, if they don't know you or know your preferences or know what you're, you might be in, in market for, you're going to lose, especially as fintech. A lot of fintechs are really in the space and traditional banks are, are playing catch up. Right. And I, the frustration I felt when I call somebody at any one of those types of providers, whether it's a bank or a tech provider, and I feel like I'm introducing myself again and again and again, year after year after year. I'm like, what are you all doing over there? And I know the individual on the phone doesn't know me personally. Come on, I've been a customer for 20 years already. Right. Connected customer is about making sure that no matter what touch point, whether you're in a chat, whether you're on the phone, whether you're you know, in an app, whether you're even just seeing an ad somewhere else, that we already know who you are, what you're about, and what you're going to be interested in as far as the conversation we're having with you. I want to tie that back to the career journey we talked about in segment one and segment two. What skills are prominent in the work that you're doing today? It sounds a little bit like it is marketing, it is analytics, it is statistics, it is running a P&L and thinking about customers. Is there anything that you collected in the, I don't know, would you run through 37 different roles that you've had that you're not using today? Because it feels like you've built a hell of a foundation that you're leveraging right now. Definitely using all of the above, especially at Bain. (laughs) Clients have a lot of needs across a lot of different areas and having a lot of things in your in my tool set to be able to bring to bear it always is very useful and even it's interesting as working with a retail client not too long ago they actually needed help with their direct mail <laughs> so <laughs> which is really bringing me back right and so uh, we were able to build help them build some new models that helped them optimize what they were doing and better integrate it with what they were doing in digital and so it does come full circle. It absolutely does. Sharona, the other thing that does stand out to me is you did have P&L experience. Has that helped you connect with some of the executives that you work with? Because I, I find now that I'm in this role for the last decade, I would think about my client interactions from the first part of my career so differently. Like, I feel like I'd be so much better working oh, with them Oh, yes. I think understanding what's behind how folks are making decisions and thinking about the accountability to being profitable and being able to hit their targets, honestly. And the pressure that that has, especially in publicly traded companies where that's done on a quarterly basis, it does really help you better understand that. And I would say what's really important to understand, especially as, as we're working with executive, is understanding their planning cycle. What's their cycle of decision making? What are they accountable and and are going to be held to? And is as as we are their advisors, if we're laser focused on making them successful in that, that we win, they win, everybody wins. Sharon, I want to ask you three questions as we wrap up, and we'll do these in rapid fire format. First, what does consultancy have to offer data scientists that stands out from other industries? A broader set of skills and experiences that you're going to get to apply much quicker in your career where I had to go from company to company to gather all these different experiences and different skill sets, I could apply all of those here. In fact, I am. So this is a place where you can grow all of those skills much quicker, I would say. Now that leads to the second question I was going to ask, which is 
What opportunities are available for data scientists and people with your background at Bain? You obviously started in as a partner, but there's a lot of different roles. Can you talk about some of those? So we have something to offer at every level from AC all the way through to partner when it comes to advanced analytics and in the customer practice. What I would say is we've got folks who are budding data scientists who are applying their skills, building hands-on modeling. We've got folks who are really well-versed in solutions architecture and, and things like that, where they're, they're in more leadership roles operationally. Mm-hmm. And then we've got expert partners who understand the nuts and bolts of what executive teams need to know and how they can deliver and really bring these things in for transformation within their organizations. So we have something for everyone. And I believe that our mentorship model is so strong here. We have hired chief data officers from industry who are mentoring the next generation of data scientists within Bain. And I don't really know a whole lot of other places where you can work with that many different types of executives who have been brought up in industry and have done the hands-on work and really are mentoring every level that we have here. I get very excited about that. I feel like I have peer mentors all around me. One last question for you before we wrap. What would you tell a data scientist that's listening to this today or somebody with a, a deep digital marketing expertise or deep customer expertise and they're thinking about the next step in their career journey? Consider Bain. Well played. I couldn't have planted that any better. Sharona, I want to thank you for the time today on the podcast. Again, we've known each other for a very long time. We are way overdue to have this conversation. I do want to thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise. Your background is different than a lot of the people here, and you're continuing to thrive and do awesome work internal with Bain with our practice and externally with our clients. So thank you very much for being on today. Thank you. This was great. Thank you.